voice out for a moment. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator right now. Come on, that's it. Get involved with it. Hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise. Come on, it'll feel good if you don't look at me and you clap your hands a little bit. It'll feel good if you just lift your voice a little bit. It'll feel good if you take your hands out of your pockets and just clap them a little bit. It'll feel good to interact for just a moment. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, yes. Rejoice with the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is here. And I am so thankful to uh, be here with you and uh, worshiping God together and magnifying God together. And uh, it's an um, honor to have uh, Brother Joey and Sister Jessica here worshiping with us. What an awesome. And a little dapper David over there. Man, sporting that suit. Mm. I had to see Brother Joey wear one of those. Thank you, Lord. So good to be with, with you. And Sister Alanda's here, so happy to. And Sister Brooks here. See, now I'm naming people. It gets dangerous. Everyone is here. Thank you. You may be seated. I am uh, excited about everything that God is doing, the Bible studies that are happening. Uh, I know in, in January there were well over 200 Bible studies that were taught. That's awesome. That, that, that's, that's worth thanking God for. And I know that there are uh, people that are receiving revelation of who God is, of what God expects from us, and how we interact with him. And so it's a wonderful thing to be a part of an a, a apostolic church. Amen. We are in a series, and I'm going to continue on with that today. And... Uh, is a series entitled Built to Last. Built to Last. We've talked about the fact that we simply live in a world that we do not build things to last. We build things to look pretty, but we do not build them to last. We want them to last. We want them to last a long time. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a little secret. You may not even know this. These columns are not actually holding up this building. They didn't know if you knew that. It's just pretty. That's styrofoam. Matter of fact, that's the same people that did styrofoam years and years ago. They used to do all the Disney styrofoam back in the day. That's exactly right. They won't even hardly talk to us anymore. They got so big. But nevertheless, but it, it's, not, it's not made. See, we, we, we add things to it, and it just looks nice. It looks pretty. But the things that we, the world that we're living in, if we're not careful, we do not build things to last. We talked about some of the cars that look big and bad, but they're just made of plastic anymore. It's not built to last. And we are not wanting that in our lives. If we're not careful, uh, the Christian world, uh, when I say that, I'm just talking about people that proclaim themselves to be Christians. Uh, it seems like there, there's too many things that happen that are just so we can look good. 
instead of really be good. Look strong instead of being strong. And we equivalent like that's the same thing. It's not the same thing. There are things that you can build in your life that when the storms come, you can be standing on the other side of the storm. There are things in your life you can put there that will help you last the storm. We want to build things that last. We want to build marriages that last. We want our children to have the right things in them that they will be able to survive the onslaught of this world. Our relationships. Businessmen, you want to build businesses that last. And the church, we want to build that will last. So I'm going to very quickly catch everyone up on the same page. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks. So let me give you a little bits of what we talked about the last few weeks. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. The wise build, the fool pulls everything down. I have met people, and as they say, misery loves company, and it seems to be their lot in life to make sure you don't get too big for your britches. I mean, that is their ministry. Always checking your britches. Don't get too big for your britches. That's their life. They just, they just want to tear everything down. But the Bible says the wise build. You build people you're around. You don't tear them down. You, you get around someone that does not have the, maybe the advantages, the abilities you have, and instead of looking down at them, you lift them up. I have said it here uh, hundreds of times, if not thousands. We are not better than anybody. We are better off. We're not better. We're better off because of what we have inside of us. If I'm in a house and someone's outside of the house and it starts raining, I'm not better than them, but I am better off. And because we are better off, we don't want to just look at them outside in the rain and say, sorry. We want to help them come in and then we want to help them build their own house. That's wisdom. Jesus talks about these two opposing forces when he talks about the man that built his house on the sand and the storms came and washed it away and the man that built his house on the rock and when the storm came, same storm, same issue, but when the storm left, the house on the rock was still standing. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you find these two opposing forces, those of the wise and those of the fool. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn it out of seven pillars. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1. Out of seven pillars she has formed this. And so what I have done is just kind of went through this chapter, chapter 9 of Proverbs, and just pulled out seven things that I feel... Uh, that the Lord impressed on me 
that you can build something that will last. You can build something that will last. So the first thing we talked about is in Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 2. The Bible says, She hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, and she hath furnished her table. She hath. She hath. She hath. Wisdom is preparation. Wisdom is not waiting for life to happen to you. It's you happening to life. It's not just you standing there and taking whatever happens, but it's you getting in a prayer room and praying until something happens. That's wisdom. Wisdom gets ahead of the game. That's the first thing we talked about, one of preparation. The second pillar that we talked about is giving. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, it talks about she sent forth her maidens. They cry in the high places of the city. Who is simple? Let them uh, turn in hither. Uh, who lacks understanding? Come eat of my bread. Drink of my wine that I have mingled. A pillar of wisdom is one of giving. If you want wisdom in your life, then you need to be a giver, not a taker. Everything about God is giving. Everything about the devil is taking. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God is a giver. I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. You have two men, both with their hands out, but one saying, give me, give me, give me, and the other one saying, let me give you something. Everybody will receive from somebody, and so receive the gifts that God has given to you. But make sure you have it in your mind. You're going to give more than you take. If you want to live a life of wisdom, you've got to get it in your mind that I am going to give more to this world than I'm going to take. There are things that God says, give me. He put a tree in the midst of the garden and says, don't touch that. That belongs to me. But there's one tree they can't touch, but there's a garden full of everything they can't eat, including the tree of life. God always gives more than he expects. And we should do the same. Wisdom prepares, wisdom gives. And last week we talked about wisdom makes wise decisions. A pillar of wisdom is knowing how to make decisions. Your life and where you are today is based on the decisions that you made yesterday. That's exactly right. That's not even almost right. That's just right. I'm not saying things that have not happened to you you have no control over, but you do have control over how you respond to it. I have seen people that have gone through the worst things in this life, but they decided they're not going to let it mark them. They decided that they're going to rise above it. And they have done incredible things in this world and have done things for the world to come. I have seen other people that in this life it would be maybe equivalent to a hangnail and they act like they can't do anything. You've seen them. Don't, don't look at me like I'm making stuff up. You've seen them. 
and you hear him talking and you're thinking, if they only knew what I've gone through. If they only know. But wisdom, a pillar of wisdom is knowing how to make wise decisions. Where do we go for wisdom? We talked about it last week. I'm not going to cover it all. I'm just going to mention it. First of all, you go to God. You don't run to this world to get wisdom. You go to God. God is where we get our wisdom. And we get it in prayer and we get it in his word. That's where you get wisdom. That is the primary place that you go to get wisdom. Pray for yourself. Read the word for yourself. I hope you will take my word for it, but I hope you trust but verify. Get in this word for yourself. Make sure it's reading like I'm preaching it for yourself. So first of all, you get your wisdom, your understanding. You go after it when you go after God. We talked about it. Secondly, counsel. It's amazing to me the people that simply will not talk to people. I'm just going to make my own decision. Counsel with somebody. Talk to somebody. First of all, talk to godly people. Don't get counsel from somebody that you know good and well is not truly a godly man or woman. You have people in your life such as your pastor you have maybe sunday school teachers that uh, have influenced you through the years uh you've got just godly people that pray with you in the altars there are people pray get after godly people the third way is experience you'll gain wisdom by experience you but but you must let experience actually teach you some people, I, I, I've, I've seen people, it's like they put their hand in the mousetrap and they go, oh, that hurts. Let me set it and try it again. It's going to hurt again, I promise you. Don't do it. I want to scream from the mouth at the top, don't do it. But you've got to learn, and you can learn from your own experiences, but you can also learn from others. The Bible says that the word of God is for an example unto us where we don't have to make the same mistakes Abraham made or David made, but we can learn from them. We need to make that. So that's how you get wisdom. And then we ended talking about how to actually make wise decisions. And the number one thing, I believe, is that you pre-make decisions. In every way you can, you need to pre-decide some things in your life. I, I just mentioned, I, I don't have to decide when I go to a store if I'm going to flirt with a lady there. I don't have to make that decision. I made that a long time ago, just over 12 years ago. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. I've already made that decision. You need to make some decisions ahead of time. I'm not going to. You know, you have an opportunity in business. Well, I can do it this way that is, is right or this way that's kind of... No, I've already made that decision. I don't have to wait. It's kind of like my, me growing up. We didn't, we didn't... You know that we did not decide every Sunday whether or not we was going to come to church. That wasn't a discussion. We're going to church. Period. That's just the way it is. 
There are things in your life you can predecide, and as much as you possibly can, you should predecide everything you can. Because if you wait for the situation to start weighing on you, then you start trying to make the decisions. You're just going to make decisions off the cuff, and it probably will not be a wise decision. I believe most people make the foolish decisions because they wait for everything to be pressing down on them before they make their move. <clears throat> and this is how you pre-make those decisions. You make it on principle and not preferences. If you do it on a preference, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to go, oh, man, I don't want to go to work today. My preference is just to stay in bed. But your principle is, first of all, you want to eat. And you want your family to eat. And you're a responsible person. So if you try to live life based on your preferences, you will not make good decisions because your preference is going to change based on the atmosphere around you. But when you have principles in your life that are based on the word of God, you will make wise decisions. Daniel could have just went with the flow. I'm sure his preference would be, I like the king's meat. It looks good. The king's meat smells good. Everybody else seems to be enjoying it. But I have a principle. I'm not going to eat things that are offered to idols. And because God saw that he went after his principle rather than his preferences, God blessed him exceedingly. So, number one, one the first pillar is you need to prepare. Number two, you need to be a giver. Number three, you need to make sure you know how to make good, wise decisions. And number three and four, I'm actually going to kind of do together because it, it kind of puts both of these together. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 7, 8, and 9. He that repro reproveth a scorner gathereth to himself shame. He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Hmm. Verse 8. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Let's pray about this, and then we're going to get into today's lesson. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, I'm asking you to take over this service. God, put words in my mouth to speak. Let me say it with the right heart, the right mind, the right spirit. God, prepare all of our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word. God, help us to grow in you. Help us to build things in our life that's going to last. Don't let us just live off the cuff. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray and I ask you for your help and your direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Here we find two pillars. We find you need to know how to deal and handle a mocker. 
a fool, a scorner. And you also need to know how to handle a wise man. I read years ago that, uh, you know, to, to, when you're writing down lists, it's just as important to write a not-to-do list as it is to write down a to-do list. Some people got their to-do list, but they get into a whole bunch of stuff they shouldn't do, and they never get to their to-do list. It's important that you also know, I'm not going to do this. So you have these two things. You have the wise or the fool. And so you've got to make a decision here today. A strong pillar is you not living around the fools. Now, I know I'm going to make everyone nervous here today. Just relax. We're going to get through this just fine. And neither do you need to be the fool. And you need to know who is wise, and you want to become part of the wise. Because you will deal with them on a daily basis. This week, there are, if I asked you to raise your hand, you would say, yes, I have dealt with both this week. I have talked to someone that I know good and well will fall in one of these categories of the wise or the fool. I said last week that the entire world, with one exception, is made up of others. Everybody in this world is someone else besides one. That's you. So that means everything you do, you're going to have to deal with other people. You're going to have to work with other people. And you need to know, listen, if you're going to build something that's going to last, you can't just kind of go around and, and act like it doesn't matter who you spend your time with, who you're around. People are a major part of life. Everyone, I don't care what you do, you're in the people business. The cats don't come and buy your cat food. The cat owner buys the cat food. You ain't in the pet business, you're in the people business. You ain't in the cabinet business, you're in the people business. You're not in the lawn care business, you're in the people business. Because as though people in that house, they don't care if that lawn gets cut. And so you've got to deal with people no matter what is going on in your life. And if you're going to build things that last, you need to know the difference. And you need to have this in mind. You need to do everything you can to get along with people. Get along with people. There are, there are people that they just do everything they can not to get along with people. You need to try to get along with people. At least make the effort. The Bible says in Romans, I realize I did not give you any scriptures up there. I apologize. Just try to stick with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peacefully with all men. If it's possible, do everything in your power to live a peaceful life. But it does say, if it's possible. I'm here to tell you 
There are some that I have tried extremely hard. And they just don't want anything to do with it. And I'm a nice person. But that doesn't put me, get me off the hook that this person isn't very, you know, nice. I'm not going to do it. No, you need to do everything in your power to live peace with people. Look what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12 and 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, I'm a holiness preacher. I like to talk about holiness. But it also goes beyond that. It says you should follow peace with all men and holiness. But then it says without which no man shall see the Lord. If we do not live a life trying to bring peace, God says, I want nothing to do with you. He's saying, I don't want to spend eternity with you. I really think that this this earth is a testing ground of who God wants to spend the rest of eternity with. I believe that. And I believe he wants you to be married so he can really see what it's going to be like. God wants to see you in that up-close and personal relationship to know if you are going to try to live with peace Oh, you're going to pick at every little thing. I think this is the testing ground. And God's saying, listen, if you're going to be with me, you've got to look for peaceful situations. You don't want to just go after everything and just try to pull everything into line and make everything happen. Look for a peaceful way to handle it. I believe that. And so there are people that's going to be in your life And let me just say this on the flip side. Everyone does not have the right to speak into your life. I know some people, anyone can come whisper a prophecy in their ear, and they're like, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. You don't know anything about that person. Oh, let me just pastor here for a moment now. Someone will tell you to, you know, God told me to tell you to move to Timbuktu. I don't even know. Where where is Timbuktu? Anybody know where Timbuktu is? God told you to go here, God just, and, and people just running from one thing to another. Everybody's whispering in their ear. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't plan on getting in this at all. Let me tell you about whispering in everyone's ears prophecy. There's a reason why God said to say it out loud so other people can hear it and judge. Right. Now, if there is something personal that needs to be said, obviously don't. But some people got this this gift, but their gift is always so private, it can never be corrected. Man, I didn't mean to get in all this. Ain't, Ain't this great? You need to you need to let 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 the opportunity be there for someone to speak into your life and be able to correct you if possible. But not everybody, not everybody gets to just direct my life. But at the same time, this is where wisdom, this is why you've got to get all this stuff together. At the same time, neither should you shut everybody out. David, 
is going down the road and a man starts screaming at him, cursing him, yelling at him. And one of David's mighty men says, David, listen to this guy. He's just up there. We're down here and he's kicking rocks on us and he's saying all this stuff about you. Let me go take his head off. Now, if it had been me, I'd be like, sure. No, I wouldn't. David's attitude was maybe the Lord said to him, curse David. So as no one has the right, everyone does not have the right to speak into me, I'm not just going to shut everybody out. I'm going to perceive. I'm going to get a hold. Is this the right thing? Do I need to be corrected? Do I need something in me that's going to give me another direction? It is so vital. If you're going to build something that lasts, every little thing means something. <laughs> Who you're around, it matters. It matters who you're around. It matters who you spend your time with. Proverbs 13 and 20. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20. He that walketh with the wise man shall be wise. If you're going to be wise, walk with wise men. But the command... The companions of a fool shall be destroyed. You're, you're going to be destroyed based on the people that you hang around. Now, I preached a message here, a series here years ago called Sowing and Reaping. Whatever you sow is what you reap. And I have seen people sow the right things into their finances, but not sow the right things into their marriage. And because they sowed the right things into their finances, they were financially blessed. But because they did not sow the right things into their marriage, they were, uh, their marriage was not blessed. Because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. On the flip side... I have seen people that sowed the right things into their marriage and sowed the right things into their children, but did not sow the right things in their, fa uh, their finances. And because they sowed the right things into their marriage and their family, they had great family, but they never got ahead financially. You've got to look at everything and decide, I want to be balanced in how I am growing, and so I've got to get around wisdom in the areas that I need help in. That's why it's important for us to have evangelists in here that have different ministries to help correct us in certain areas. Yes, I said that. The ship is moving like this, and you need that other voice that comes in here. You need a prophet that comes in here. You need somebody every now and then to make sure we have balance. Mm. If you want to be wise, you've got to hang around wise people. Get around the wise guys. Proverbs 14 and 7. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7. Go from the presence of a foolish man. Leave. You say, well, I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. Leave. Now, I'm not talking to married people that are mad at their spouse right now. But you're in situations. The Bible says, 
you need to get out of their presence. We just around people and we say, ah, they're not, it's not right. But I'm not, I'm not helping them and they're not, you know, they're not helping me. That's not, that's not the case. You are affecting one way or the other. Either you are affecting them or they are affecting you. And if you're not careful, you spend all your time with the underdog thinking I'm going to be the one that saves them. You need to help them. I've talked about that. I'm going to talk more about it. But that's not where you get your, you don't sharpen iron that way. You need to get around somebody that's a step above in whatever area you're reaching for to make sure, you know, sometimes we get around other people because it makes us feel good and important. We need to be in situations that we realize I'm not everything I thought I was. I need to step up. I need to be around people that pray more than me. I, need, I don't need to feel, oh, no, I, I'm going to be condemned. I need to be around people that have a greater relationship with God than I do. I need to be reaching for something. I don't want to just be stagnant and stale. And I told you I'm going to be teaching today, so... They say that you are the average of the five people that you associate with the most. That's exactly right. The people that you're around the most is who you become. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12, I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. He said we need to know each other. We don't need to just say, well, you know, you know, whatever happens, happens. My kids can just, just run around. Again, I'm just passionate today. I don't normally do all this stuff, but I just feel to do it. You don't need to just let your kids run all over this church. Why? Because, you know, we're trying to reach everybody. And there are people that walk through these doors that need God. And they have not all found God yet. Well, I'm at the church. Be wise. Be wise. Know where your kids are. Protect those precious gifts that God has given you. Don't let them run wild. Don't let them damage the church either. I just got all kind of pastoring going on today. <laughs> Brother Mangan, elder Brother Mangan that passed away was asked the question, how do you build a great church? And he told this group of pastors, he said, don't mess with nuts. That was his big advice. The truth of the matter is you can spend all your time trying to fix every little thing. And some people simply refuse to learn and grow themselves. Years ago, Bishop had a, had a, 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 a vision, a dream. And uh, in this, this dream, the, this couple came frantically running into the church. And uh, they had their baby, and they were, they were saying, Pastor, I need your prayer. I need you to, I need you to pray over my baby. And, 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 and Bishop grabbed this baby, and he ran into his office. And it's just the old church, and the way his old office was, there was a window that could see into the church. And in this vision, he's in there, and he's just praying over this baby, and he's interceding. And he looks out that window, and this mom and dad were out there with some other people from the church, and they were just laughing, talking, having a big time. And God spoke to my father and says, you are handicapped in the 
these people because I'm putting situations in their lap, but instead of them learning to deal with it, they're giving them to you. It's stressing you out, and they're not learning and growing because it's not up to the pastor to fix every little thing that's in your life. Uh, You've got to take some of these things uh, and grow. What is that? It's you deciding, how am I going to deal with a situation that puts you in a category of the fool or the wise? And so be wise. Learn to handle the situations that come in your life. Huh. Jesus' name. So we have the wise and we have the fool. Marvin Wilson wrote a book, Our Father Abraham. He's a, just talking about the Jewish words, and he's, he, he really did an amazing study on the word fool and the different terms that are used for fool and, and the other ways that they are talked about in the book of Proverbs. But there are four basic types of a fool. You have a simple fool. You have a hardened fool. You have a mocking fool. And you have a God-denying fool. The term fool is description really of an attitude, a, a certain mindset that needs to be corrected. And everybody deals with some of these levels. And actually the first level of a fool that he talks about is, is not a negative thing. It's a simple reality. That all of us are simple about things in life. When I became, um, when I, as I was going, of course, I was raised in a pastor's home. And uh, I, I began to get involved with different things. And, and, uh, and I, I would get really in, in tune to this thing. And I felt like I became wise in this area. I felt like I knew how to handle this area. But all of a sudden, we would... Um, uh, Bishop would say, okay, I want you now to work over here. And as soon as I moved from this area to this area, I became simple again. Simple means I just don't know yet. I just don't understand yet. And so I've got to now grow in this area. And then I became the youth pastor. And I was trying to do things. Then I felt like, hey, I really got this going on. I really think. Then I became associate pastor. And look at me. I'm back in the simple chair again. I still, I, now I've got to figure this out. Now I'm the uh, assistant pastor. I feel like I really know what's going on. Now I become the pastor, and I realize I'm back in the simple chair again. Because everything that you move into, you're back to that, that simple. And so the simple fool simply means when it talks about it in the Word of God, it's saying it's people that just have not uh, got training yet. They just don't understand. It's a person that, that don't know how to make that decision yet because they are simple. And all of us will find ourselves in that place at some point in our lives. But a simple fool is one that realizes I didn't do it right, but I'm able to be trained. I'm able to be taught so I can move forward. I'm talking about building things that's going to last in your life. And if you do not realize there are different levels of fools, what happens is people progress in foolishness in their life. All of us have this simple fool come at some point in our lives. You've got a new project at work. All of a sudden, you're back in the simple chair. You've got a new situation you're trying to deal with. All of a sudden, now you're simple because I, I knew how to handle all this. Now I've got to figure this out. 
And it's okay as long as when you are corrected. And the, the, the dividing line most of the time between a serious fool and someone that is wise is how you react whenever the truth comes to you. David, I believe, was a simple fool. What he did was wrong. What he did was um, disgusting in some ways. What he did, he, he brought in a woman that he des- desired. He, her, she was married, but he got her pregnant. This is King David, by the way. Got her pregnant. Then found out, oh, no, he's pregnant. Bring Uriah in. Let, let them get together so he thinks it's his baby. He's so honorable, he refuses to be with his wife while his men are out fighting. And so David now can't get him to get together to to cover up his mess. And so now uh, Uriah, he goes back with orders from David. He, he can't see the orders. They're sealed. He gives them to the captain. The captain reads and says, take this man, put him at the front of the battle. When the enemy comes, have everybody else fall back. So this man would die. He killed a man. And the prophet showed up and began to talk to him, began to give him this scenario. David was so mad when he talked about this sheep that one guy had. He only had one sheep, but this other guy had all these sheep. And the one that had all these sheep took the one sheep that this one guy had. And David was saying, who would do something like this? And the man looked at him and pointed his finger and said, you are the man. That is the point that you're either going to become a hardened fool or you're going to become a wise man. David was still known to this day as the man after God's own heart. His name, the name David, still stopped Jesus Christ in his tracks. When they cried, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That name stopped Jesus in his tracks. And it all happens at a dividing line when you are corrected. Do you go the way of the fool or do you go the way of the wise? Oh, Jesus. David smote in his heart. Oh, my goodness. Come to himself. You ever been in that situation? It's like you're coming out of fog and you're like, oh, my Lord, what am I doing? How could I have done this? How could I allow myself to be involved with this? It's like you're coming out of a fog. But David came out of that fog of lust and sin and murder and disgust. But his attitude was, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't realize what I was doing. I I got off the the, the wrong uh, track. I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Just don't take your presence from me, whatever you have to do. Uh, But I I need you, God. Uh, And at that moment, uh, even though he had done wrong... uh, He was a simple fool because when he is corrected, he makes the right choice. But then you have the hardened fool. The hardened fool knows that they've made a mistake, but they just don't care. They never learn from their mistake. They refuse to listen to others. A simple fool makes, can make the same decision, but when they're corrected, they go, oh, my Lord, let me correct this thing. But a hardened fool just says, I don't care. Yeah, I made the wrong decision. That's what King Saul was. 
King Saul was a hardened fool. He did wrong just like David did. He messed up different ways but still wrong. He messed up but whenever the man of God came to him, He knew he was wrong. He knew what he did was wrong. But he refused to have a repented attitude. He got got hardened in his heart and his spirit. It says, I don't care what everybody says about me. I don't care what what people may think. uh, I don't care what God might think. Uh, Just just let people think I'm okay. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to make it right. Uh, And because of this hardened heart, uh, all of a sudden the kingdom is ripped from his hands. uh, Because of this attitude uh, that's in his spirit, uh, all of a sudden he can no longer pass down the lineage of the kingship to his son. What happened when he was corrected? He refused to see it for what it is and made the wrong decision. And instead of becoming a wise man, he became a fool. Then you have a mocking fool. A mocking fool mocks the things of God. We live in a world that praises mocking fools, praises those that just put down God and everything about God, mock true wisdom. They call good bad and bad good, as the Bible says they would, mocking everything. You need to be careful that you don't allow yourself to slip from being a simple fool to a hardened fool to a mocking fool. Because what happens is when you get hard about things, hear me, when you get hard about things, then you start trying to defend your own decisions. I feel so in the Holy Ghost right now. You begin to try to defend yourself on everything. I, I have watched people that know, you have seen them too. They are wrong and they know they're wrong. But they just keep pushing the thing. They just keep trying to build themselves and just keep trying, no, no. and just They won't let it go. And you're looking like, can you not see this? What's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong. They went from a simple fool, which is okay. We don't all know everything. But whenever it was put in front of them, they hardened instead of making it right. And now they begin to mock, trying to back up the things that they know is wrong in their life. And it continues to move forward to the point that people become a God-denying fool. These are the four different types of fools that you find in the Word of God. And what kind of fool they are most of the time depends on how they react when they are corrected. How I react to the things. And so I've got to learn to deal with these people. And you cannot deal with them all the same. If you're going to build things that's lasting, you've got to learn how to deal with situations. And you think, well, I'm just going to correct them all. The Bible says if you start trying to correct a scorner, it's going to be bad for you. 
those that are evil or those that deny God, those that have nothing to do with God. You're going to get a blot on your life. It, things are not going to go well for you. And I have known people that they, instead of discerning where people are in life, they just got the same lines they're going to say to everybody, and it does not work. And they live constantly. Hear me. I'm trying to help somebody. They live constantly trying to hold everybody up, people that simply are not holding themselves up, and you are weary, and you can't help your family. You can't help your spouse. You can't help your children because you are constantly propping everything up around you. You've got to realize there are different people in this world, and you cannot handle them all the same. You need to ask for wisdom today. God, help me. There are people... There are people in your life that are speaking things to you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There are people that are speaking things in your ear that are causing you to lose your relationship with God. You've got to silence that voice in your ear. You cannot allow them to run rapid in your mind and in your brain. You can't do it. Well, I'm just going to... I'll just explain everything to them. Let me tell you. You can't deal with everybody that way. The Bible says, the fool, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool uttereth his whole mind, his mind. But a wise man keeps it until afterwards. A fool goes around and is just trying to let, let people know all the things he knows. Because I know it, you should know it. Everybody's not going to receive everything you know. And if you try to force it on them, you're going to try to force something on a scorner and you're going to get smacked down because of it. You're going to try to push your agenda on somebody and it's not going to work for you. Jesus did not tell everybody and did not treat everybody exactly the same. You've heard me say many times here, Jesus spoke to the crowds and told them what they needed to hear, what they could handle. Then he got with the 12 and they said, well, what does that mean? And he told them a little bit more. But he didn't even tell all the 12 everything. There are sometimes he got with just the three. Peter, James, John, he got with just them and told them a little bit more. And there's some things he only told John. You say, well, we're just gonna, I'm just going to blanket everything. You are going to live a life of, of, of just trying to get up with all the weight on you because you're trying to... God help me. You know I'm all about reaching everybody. I wanted to help someone here the other day. You got to get your feet planted before you can help somebody else. But if we're not careful, we live our lives trying to help everybody and everything. People that don't want help at this time and you can't do it. Jesus did not go running after the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? This, 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 and this. Those I've, I've done from my youth up. You have? Well, what about this? No. And he went away sorrowful. And Jesus didn't start going, oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Come back. Come back. Come back. 
Let's, let's talk about it another way. No, he let him walk away sorrowfully. Not happy about it. But realizing I can't track down everything and do everything. I just looked up and saw the time. I apologize. Let me just wrap up here. A simple fool. You need to love them. You need to do and teach in front of them. Have mercy. And he'll learn. <laughs> he, he'll learn. A hardened fool, you still need to love them. And I think you need to do and teach. And you need to have mercy. Then let them come to themselves. A mocking fool, you need to love them and need to do. But don't try to teach them. You're just going to waste your time. Do in front of them. Let them see the life. Love them. Do. Have mercy. Stand your ground. A God-denying fool. I think you need to love them. You need to live the life in front of them. You need to do it. You need to have mercy. You need to stand your ground. And you don't need to stand between them and God. Don't try to do it. Don't become a fool yourself. Don't allow that to come in your life. I'm skipping through some things. A wise, there's two different types of wise men. There's the wisdom of, of man and there's the wisdom of God. Make sure you get a hold of the wisdom of God, not just the wisdom of man. I am skipping a lot of stuff. I'm just trying to get down here. You find here that people are both wise and fool. You want to make sure you yourself do not become a fool. We're going to be dealing with different people, and I'm going to, I, I can tell I'm going to come back and address this because it's so important that we get in our spirit, that we don't just kind of flow with whatever's going on in our world. And I know those that are here for the first time, please come back. I'm a very sweet person, I can tell you. But, but I'm here trying to wake somebody up that, that you, you can't just let things happen in your life, and you can't just let the crowds lead you. You need to choose the people in your life. You need to choose those that are speaking to you. And then you need to make sure yourself that you don't become the fool. Don't be the one that other people need to avoid. Don't be the one that speaks down to people that people say, I can't be around them anymore. And how you do that is when the decision comes, see it for what it is and make a decision to change. Jesus is on the cross and there are two fools beside him. Both of them are mocking, but one was a simple fool. And it hit him, and he said, God, forgive me. I, I, we have, we've done all kinds of stuff. He's done nothing. Remember me in paradise. And Jesus looked at a mocking fool that refused to see the error of his ways. And he left him there to his own demise. But a simple fool that looked at himself and felt the presence of God like you have felt here today. And you say, what's going on? I need a change in my life. I don't need this mess in my life anymore. That's what makes the difference. And a man on the cross was with Jesus in paradise because he was a simple fool that learned to change. But I, I am, I've done things foolishly. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 23. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. That's the secret. Turn at the reproof. Turn at the reproof and what's going to happen. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. If you will learn 
when the reproof comes and the correction comes if you're going to build something that's going to last. He says when you turn at the reproof, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. Joel talked about there will be a day that the spirit is going to be poured out on the day of Pentecost when they were all with one accord in one place. There suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire. It set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. But wait, there were people, there were Jews, there were devout men under heaven. They all began to come around when this was noised abroad. And what you find there is a multitude of fools. Acts 2, 12, and 13, very quickly. Some were amazed. They just didn't know what was going on. Some were doubting. Others saying, what meaneth this? Verse 13, others mocking. There were all these different levels of fools that were there, people not knowing what to do. But what, what did God say? If you will, when you're reproved, if you will turn to me, that's when I am going to pour out my spirit on you. And so these fools that were there, those that were simple fools, some were hardened fools, some were mocking fools, undoubtedly some were God-denying fools, they were there. But when Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, with the 11, he began to preach he began to talk to them. He began to let them know this is what Joel talked about. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And when these fools, as Peter began to preach, he began to tell them, you're the one that crucified him. You're the one that put him to an open shame. You're the one that messed up. And when they were confronted with the truth, they did not turn away from it. They did not become a hardened fool. But they said, what is it that I must do? What do I need to do uh, to make this thing right uh, and when they had that attitude uh, in Acts 2 verse 38 uh, Peter said uh, repent uh, that means you have realized uh, yes I've made a mistake uh, but when you turn at the reproof of God uh, he says I'll give you my spirit uh, I'm just looking for somebody we live in a world uh, I'm right I'm right you're not always right I'm not always right uh, and so when the word of God says you need to change uh, what's going to separate the fool from the wise are you willing to change stand with me you're not right all the time I'm not right all the time people here there's things in your life you're battling if you do not turn at a simple reproof, you become hardened. When you become hardened, you become a mocker because you're trying to brace yourself up. And the way of that direction, you will become a God-denying fool. The difference between wisdom and foolish is when the direction comes, do you receive it of God or do you say, I refuse it? But when they realized, I messed up, men and brethren, 
what shall I do? There's a stirring in people's heart even here today. There's things in your life that you know simply not right. You've been trying to just hang on to it, but you know it's not right. You know. You know. You don't have all the answers, but you know there's something wrong. You know you need God. Don't, don't pass by the simple to get to a hardened fool. Say, yeah, I didn't do it right. Like David, I messed up bad. But God, you're a God of mercy. And so I come to you and I turn at the reproof. You cannot live the life you're living in this world and be saved. Know ye not fornication, lying, cheating. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Blaspheming. These attitudes, these spirits, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Partying all night, drugging it up, drinking, living a life of sexual immorality, you're not going to make it to heaven. So now you come to a point. Do I say, God, I need help. God, this is in me and it should not be in me. Or do you start making the excuses? Well, my dad was this way. My mom was this way. Well, it's just kind of the way it is with me. And you start hardening that heart. You start making excuses. The next thing you know, you're trying to defend it so you become a scorner. I'm saying today, what you're feeling in your spirit right now is that there are things that you need to make right with God. Well, what about this? What about that? I don't know the answers to every little thing in your life, but I can tell you when you come and give it to God, God will help you with the next step. No one moving, please. No one walking right now. Every head bowed. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I, I know I just jumped a whole bunch of stuff that I think you gave me. God, I'm asking you right now to just help us. God, God, wisdom begins with you. I'm going to be talking about it next week. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, God, I'm asking you right now to help us. God, there are people here living their sin in their lives. There's things that they know is not right. God, they need you today. So, God, help them to make the right decision. God, let them turn from their wicked ways. Let them say, what must I do? Let them repent, be baptized, be filled with your spirit. Oh, God, I pray today, help us. There are people here, they're dealing with situations with other people, good Christians here. They don't know how to handle it today. I pray that you will give them wisdom to know how to handle the situations that they're facing. 
God, help us, God, to make the right decisions in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the mode of prayer, ask the person beside you, would you like to come pray? Please don't look at them, ask them, would you like to come pray? And why don't you come to an altar? Let's fill this altar. Let's ask God for wisdom and direction. If you are living with sin in your life, ask God for his mercy. I'm here to tell you, he will extend his mercy today. He will extend his mercy. He loves you. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name and you know you need to be, today you can be baptized. In the name of Jesus, there's conviction in this house. He told God loves you. God's saying, just give me a chance. Just come close. Just give me an opportunity. I want to wrap you up. I want to give you a fresh start. That's it. Just talk to God. That's it right there. You're doing it right there. You and God. God, forgive me of my sins. God, I pray. Those that want to come and help pray for some of these, will you come in the name of Jesus? Ministers, begin to move in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, today, you've been had, had a mirror held up in front of some of you. Go ahead and say, God, I need your help. God, give me direction. God, help me to make the right decision. That's it right there. That's the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's the Spirit of God. That's it. That's it, ministers. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. God, I bind all fear. I bind all doubt. God, I pray that you will lose people. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. That's it. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. That's it. Don't stop praying. Come on, keep reaching. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. You can't just jump in and jump out. Let the Holy Ghost begin to work on you, stir you in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. That's awesome. There it is. It's happening right now. Come on. God's love is here. God's spirit is here. Yes. Yes. All the altar workers engage right now. The Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. That's it. Just stay in line with that. Just stay tapped into that. Hallelujah. That's God. That's it, sir. That's it, ma'am. That's God right there. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I 